there was a huge storm, as Pastor Paul mentioned, in, in uh, Colorado. And several, at least five people that I know of, had flights. And they, their flights got canceled. And instead of saying, I'm just going to stay home, and like Pastor said, just listen to it on the podcast, they got in their cars and drove instead of flying. That would have been, you know, that would have been a good reason to say, well, maybe I'm not supposed to go. But they got in their cars and drove. Others, others uh, as, as Pastor mentioned, Pastor Marshall was literally steps ahead of, it was almost like an apocalypse movie, steps ahead of them closing the freeway down on him in Denver. Coming through Colorado Springs, they were closing the freeway behind him. And then, and then uh, Pastor Abe and, and, and um, I know your name, Felicia. It just, it just went, I just I lost it for a second. Their window got blown, blown out by the wind on the freeway in Amarillo from the winds. I mean, just the sacrifices and the people who drove all night. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to get in your car and drive back to Colorado. Amen. That's crazy. But God loves that. Amen. So first of all, give yourselves a hand for being so awesome and loving God so much that you would come and be a part of this because it wouldn't have been the same without you. Amen. And I want, I want to ask our pastors to stand. The pastors that are here tonight, if you'd stand real quick, I want to recognize all the pastors that have come from different places. we got about 12 pastors here tonight. Amen. Let's give them. This is the cream of the crop tonight. Amen. Our pastors and their wives. Wives, would you stand up as well, please, so we can, we can celebrate you. Amen. Praise God. We thank God for you and for your service to the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I mean that tonight. Thank you. That we, this is the cream of the crop. These, these are men and women who love God and are serving God, and we can't do this without each other. Amen. We can't do this without each other. And so uh, I, this is kind of leading into my mess. I want to thank all those that worked in the last 36 hours, especially in the church for the breaks and the food and all those that are laboring back here behind this wall right now where the real ministry is with the brats, I mean, are the kids back there, amen. And thank God for them. Let's give them a hand. All those that served and helped and worked and gave, amen. Praise God. So I'm going to start getting into my message. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for this time together, Lord, that we'll never have again. We'll never have March 15th of 2019 together again. This is a night that's important for us. This is a night that's momentous, Father, for our fellowship and for everything that we're doing in our different cities tonight. There are too many to name. But, God, thank you for your, your power. Thank you for your anointing that's in this place. God, I ask you to arrest our minds Put us in one spirit, one mind, and one accord that, Lord, your word would come forth in power tonight. And, Lord, that we would not leave this place the same way we came in. And Satan, the devil, you are defeated. And the blood of Jesus is against you. You have no power. You have no authority. All your lies are defeated. All your strategies are defeated. And we are victorious tonight by the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross. How many can say amen tonight? Amen. How many are thankful for the cross? Praise God. If you got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to, this was one of those messages, and pastors will know what I'm talking about, that it, it's here, but it was just so hard to get it on paper. Any pastors know what I'm talking about? It's in you, and it's, you know what the Lord wants to say, but sometimes it flows more, and it, so God's, it's going to be extra God tonight. Amen. And I know what I want to say, just God's going to help me get it out. I want to talk tonight about why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. 
How many know we got to know why we do what we do? You know, there's a lot of things that we do in life because we know we're supposed to do them. How many agree with that? We know we're supposed to do them. And as young people growing up, especially as kids, kids, kids want to know why. Right? Kids go, why? And what do parents say? Because I told you so. Right? Well, I'm going to tell you so tonight. Amen? I'm going to tell you so why we do what we do. And, and there's, there's a method to the madness of coming together for 24 hours in a different city and strategizing and being together. And so we need to know why we do what we do because a silver lining since Thursday night, since last night, even into Wednesday, has been the struggles, the battles, the things that we go through, the things we have to fight, the real enemy that's coming against the true. How many know when the, when the work of God is true and real, there's always going to be an enemy? There's always going to be a battle. There's always, if we're not doing something right, there's not going to be a battle. But when there's a battle, it's because the enemy is frustrated with us. And he knows that we're doing something to damage his kingdom. And so there's always battles. And there's just been some, man, these messages have been fantastic. Starting last night about talking about the intentions, the good intentions and how that's not enough. And this morning with discouragement and, and the, the, the spirit upon what was talked about this morning, all morning, it, it, it blows me away. I was telling Pastor Dustin um, this morning that it never ceases to amaze me how we can come together like this and four or five different pastors can get a message together with no theme. With no theme, we don't talk to each other. And the Holy Spirit speaking in Denver. He's speaking in Colorado Springs. He's speaking here in Denton. He's speaking in all these different places. And like a, like a meal, like a chef's meal, the Holy Spirit puts the message together. And every, every message just lines up with the other message. And if that doesn't prove to you that there's a God, I don't know what does. Amen? And it just flows. And so now I got pressure on me tonight to make sure I don't mess up the meal. Amen? A lot of times, and pastors will know this too, you'll be preparing for your message and your prayer is, God, let the Holy Ghost move at the praise and worship time. Lord, let people begin to weep. Let people begin to fall on their knees. Let people begin to come to the altar and I won't have to preach. That's what pastors are always hoping for. Lord, move. And then if you have to get up here, then you say, Lord, move more. Speak through me. Amen. So I want to talk about why we do what we do, and, and I'll tell you a few things in a moment here that the Lord's put on my heart, and really cool how, how God works. Let's just read this verse to start off, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and this is a key, key verse tonight, if you would. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, stand firm, always, sorry, let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. you know, we, that's what we talked about earlier. You got here because you didn't let anything move you from getting here. Let nothing move you. Always, say always. always. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That's what we're doing tonight. We're doing the work of the Lord. Amen? Because you know, you know that your labor is not in vain. Okay? I want you, if you don't get anything else out of this message, when I pray you do, get this right there. That nothing that we do is in vain. There, there's no track we pass out. There's no offering that we give. There's no ministry that we do. There's no evangelism to a person that we do. There's no prayer that we say. There's nothing that we do that goes in vain. Everything matters. Everything matters. But when we begin to talk about 
why we do what we do, and we understand the, the elementary part. Here's the elementary part that we all know. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. And now we know we got to keep it simple. He said, go and preach the gospel. Go everywhere you go, preach the gospel, and tell people about Jesus. And we, we talked about this in our church on Wednesday night, that we keep Jesus Christ as the center of the church. We can get a lot of stuff wrong, but we will not get Jesus wrong. Amen. Jesus is the center of the church. He's what matters. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can somebody say amen? That's what matters. We might mess up on some. You didn't get excited enough on that part. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ and him crucified oh, are you for, and risen from the dead. That's what you were waiting for. And risen from the dead. We get that right. We get everything else right. But we have to be ready tonight to understand that there's, there's a, beyond that, why do we do certain things? Why do we do a rally? Why do we do outreach? Why do we do a lot of stuff? And, and the questions come in, and we've talked about that in these messages. The questions come in. Why did this not work, for example? Why did we not see the fruit that we wanted to see? Why, why did, why did, why did, how many know when you do something, and this was mentioned in several messages, that you have a, a, a way you see things working out? You're going to do something and you, you see that something working out different than it does. It's, it seems to be the case all the time. And so I want us to understand tonight that the work that we do as a church and as a fellowship and as a body of Christ, nothing is in vain. Everything is doing something. Amen? And I, I began to think about John the Baptist. And we're going to read a scripture here in a minute. And and. and Sometimes you struggle on the, on, the, on the message title as well. So I like this, why we do what we do, but I want to throw this in almost as a second title so that everybody understands by the time we're done. The other one would be, how are you preparing God's kingdom or how are you helping somebody else fulfill their destiny? Okay, would you just keep that in your minds tonight? What are you doing to make the gospel go forward? What are you doing personally? We know what we're doing as a fellowship. We know what we're doing together as a church. We know what we're supposed to do, which is preach the gospel and, and tell people about the Lord. But, but what am I personally doing to make sure that the gospel goes forward? How am I helping do what we're supposed to do? Does that make sense? So in our lives, we have a lot of situations that happen. I was thinking um, as we're here with so many pastor friends, I've got stories with all these pastors, and, and specifically, obviously, there's, there's some very special people in here tonight to me personally, but three pastors uh, I have a very close relationship and done a lot of ministry with on the, on, on the mission field in Costa Rica, which was Pastor Dustin, Pastor Mario, and Pastor Marshall. Those three, we've done a lot in Costa Rica, and, uh, and, and, and obviously, most people know that if it wasn't for Pastor Dustin answering his call, we wouldn't be here tonight in Denton, Texas. Because he went to Costa Rica and we met on the basketball court and that's how I came into this fellowship. And you look back at things and you think, man, th this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Or, this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And I thought of a time when we were in, in Los Cuadros. I meant to ask Pastor Marshall this before the service and I forgot if he was there or not. But we were, we were preaching where Pastor Dustin's church was that he started. And um, you know when you go into those places, you know a lot of bad things happen in other countries, right? And here too. And most of the time when bad things happen is because you're in a place you're not supposed to be with people you're not supposed to be with or you don't know the terrain, right? And, and that happens anywhere. But we're in, in Los Cuadros and where, they, where that church was and still is and where our church is and Pavas, uh, it, it, they're dangerous places. 
Very dangerous places. And the police don't go into those places. And so we were there doing some ministry, and uh, another pastor was, I know Pastor Gould from Arizona was with us for sure. And we got done with this revival, and I believe it was a Friday night. And we went outside, and we were just fellowshipping outside. And, and all of a sudden, there was about 20 of us left, and three guys ran up on us with guns and robbed us. And one of the guys put a gun to my chest. Only time in my life I've ever had a gun to my chest. Were you there, Pastor Marshall? That? Okay, I know Pastor Dustin was. And we, we, they put a gun to my chest, and they took my cell phone. I had my, I had one, I was back in the day when I had the little clip on, you know. And they stole my cell phone, and they stole Pastor Gould's camera, and they stole some other things, and they shot off and left us. And I remember that night being so mad at God. I know nobody else in here ever gets mad at God. But I remember going home mad at God. I said, God, what, what is the deal? We're out here preaching your gospel. We're out we're doing what we're supposed to do. How are you going to, where were your angels at? Right? You start asking these questions. Why is my cell phone get stolen? Why, there can't, why would you let them come in and do that to us? And, and you get this thought of why. And you begin to ask questions that we all ask. Why didn't this work out the way I wanted it to work out? And I remember getting back to the house that night mad, frustrated, angry, questioning, and, and I'm going I'm to tell you something that most of you would know. He didn't answer me. He didn't answer me. What, what a nerve, what the nerve, what's the nerve of God not to answer me? Amen. God, why would you let that happen? He never told me to this day. But over the time of between that night and the next morning, he did quicken my spirit. He did not speak to me, but he quickened my spirit. And he says, something was stolen from you. So he said, I want you to get up in the morning and I want you to go outreach. I want, you to, I want you to take back what the enemy has stolen. I want you to go do something to make yourself feel good. And it wasn't sleeping in. He said, get up and go witness. And I got up and I went to the streets and I began to witness. And I went and I went door to door and I passed out tracts and I prayed for people. And I had one of the best evangelism days I've ever had. Because I said, devil, you stole my cell phone, but I'm going to come steal some people from you. Amen. I'm going to take what you did bad and I'm going to turn it into something good. Okay, so we know what we're supposed to do. The best thing we can do, watch this, the best thing we can do when we're struggling is, is look on somebody else's need. Look to, the, look to help somebody else. Now, how many know you could call it crabology or you can call it the crab effect? How many know there's a thing called the crab effect? Let me see your hand if you know what I'm talking about. There will be a few. Many pastors have used this, but it never gets old because it's so true. And this can't happen in the kingdom of God. The crab effect is if you put a bucket full of crabs, what are those crabs going to want to do? They're going to want to get out of that bucket. And as they begin to crawl out on top of each other to get out of that, crab, that bucket, as one gets to the top, another crab pulls them down and pulls them back into the bucket so nobody can get out. We cannot allow ourselves as believers to have that kind of mentality that if I'm not making it, nobody's going to make it. If I'm not, if I'm not seeing success, nobody's going to succeed. Come on, somebody. We can't be like that in the church. But what would be the opposite of that crab effect? The effect would be I might be on the bottom. Somebody hear this. I might be on the bottom of those crabs, and instead of pulling them down, I'm going to start pushing them up so they can get up to the top of the bucket, and they can get out. I might not get out, but they can get out. And maybe when they get out, somebody, listen, maybe when they get out, they'll help me get out. 
Come on, did somebody get that? It, it, how do I help somebody else? Why do, why do we do what we do? Is what I'm doing for me or is it for somebody else? See, when I went, when I went out that day to go outreach the next morning, I was doing something for the Lord, but I got the blessing out of it. I got the blessing out of going and outreaching. My, st- my phone was stolen. I felt violated. I had a gun to my chest. I, didn't, I-, I wondered after if there was bullets in or not. I kept going through my mind. I wish I'd have known if there was bullets in or not. I'd have done something different. Amen. I think I would have fought back. if I just could have known for sure there was no bullets in that thing. But you'll never know. Amen. But I started thinking about John the Baptist. And he says, I must decrease so he can increase. Right? What would happen in our lives if we would begin to think all the time, as much as we possibly can, I must decrease so that somebody else around me can increase. Amen. And we know the ultimate is that Christ would be glorified and he would be known to all the world. But, but how many know at certain times, especially, there are some people who have a greater gift at certain moments to reach certain people. And I might not be able to reach those people, but I can help them reach those people. What would begin to happen in our marriages, our lives, our our churches, if we would have the opposite of the crab effect? And we would think, wake up in the morning and think, what can I do to help my church? What can I do to help others that are doing something for God? What can I do to make a difference in somebody else's destiny? Amen? So Carl and I were, uh, and by the way, I want to thank God for my wife. Amen? The wives are very important special and 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 we need them thank you for everything you do and are doing amen for us in the church and we were talking this last week and I don't really I guess it was the Holy Spirit that led us to this conversation we began to talk about outreach we began to talk about outreaches that are coming up and things that we're doing and planning and getting ready to do and and how many know we need to be honest honesty is the best policy and that's what's so awesome about this fellowship is we keep it real we keep it real. We don't, we, don't, we don't just say things that sound good. We keep it real. When, when we're hurting, we're hurting. When we're doing good, we're doing good. We just keep it real. We say it like it is. How many know we need to say it like it is? Amen. Let's just say it like it is and, and, and tell the truth and be honest. And so we're talking, and, and she said an honest thing. I, I, we were talking about, and, and this was so awesome, one of the best outreaches we've ever done. And how many know if you're doing something for God, you've done some outreaches that have, that have worked in the sense of coming together, and, and doing something that really impacts. And what, we, what you would say would be impact was that you'd get a lot of people to come out. Because we know we're, we're, we're all about planting seeds. One of the biggest outreaches that we ever did since we got back here to Denton was when the play Broken came. Pastor Marshall and Sharice and their team uh, at the home church came. It was eight or nine years ago, I believe, somewhere around there. And we did a play. We, we were just a year or two old as a church. I think we were, as a matter of fact, it might have been ten years because we were just a new church, and we were just in that, th- I think we were in our first building. We were in the first building or the second building? Second, barely, I think, maybe. And it was, it was nine years ago at least. And we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have a lot of, a lot of people. We didn't have a lot going on. But we said, we're going to do this. We're going to do this big. Amen. We're going to do this outreach, and we're going to reach a bunch of people. And we rented, you look back on the crazy stuff you do. Amen. We rented the UNT Auditorium over there, the, the, the music hall. And Pastor Paul and Emily and I and Carla ate there the other day, and I showed them. And we rented that thing, and we, we passed out flyers like crazy. We, out, we did all the stuff. 2,000 people came to that play. 
thousand people. That's a lot of people, especially when you got a church of 40. Amen. And, and it was mentioned several times over the last few days. You're thinking, this is it. We're going to move into that building. Now so we're going to have church on UNT campus, 2,000 people overnight. Right? That's what you think. We did an altar call, awesome play. 260 people came to the altars. 260 people came to the altars. Amen. Guess how many people came into the church? Zero. Now, we, we don't, that's not to discourage you, Pastor Marsh, okay? I know you were like, yeah, yeah, it was a great story. That's when the, when the message is over, you're going to feel better about it. Zero that I know of. Nobody came in from 2,000 people, 260 people saved. So in the world's eyes, we failed, you would say, because we didn't see any fruit from it. But Corinthians told us there at the beginning of the message that nothing that we do is in vain. Nothing that we do is in vain. Come on, nothing that we do is in vain. And we begin to see how the, how the Bible says that we see through that glass dimly and darkly. And we can't quite understand why we, you'd see so much success in an outreach, but nobody would come in. And then the devil would tell us, and again, this has been said so many times during this last 24 hours in messages that you begin to think that you failed or it didn't happen. But we don't see what God is doing. And here's the thing, this was mentioned as well, we, don't, we don't, still don't see what God is doing. And, and, and we talked about that, and I told Carla at that moment when she said that, and it wasn't just that, we talked about several different outreaches, and well, what, what's some of the fruit? And, and I reminded her, and we reminded each other that we do what we're supposed to do because God told us to. We do what we're supposed to do. We are successful, as Pastor Paul said, by obedience. In God's eyes, that play was an absolute success. Because we planted 2,000 seeds that night. And 260 people made a decision. And only when we get to heaven are we going to see where those people are. But what if they're in a bunch of churches tonight in different places? What if one of them's pastoring? What if one of them's in a, in a mission field? What if one of them's doing something for the Lord that we don't know about, but we did what we were supposed to do and then God is, the Bible says, Paul, or some water, some, uh, some plant, some water. And, and who is it that gives the increase? God. God gives the increase. This is going to help us tonight because a lot of times when we're doing and doing and doing, and listen, we should be doing. Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. We should be doing. But as we're doing, we cannot lose sight of the fact that most of the time we're not going to see the fruit that we want to see with our own eyes. And most of the time, we're not going to see the fruit the way we want to see it. We're not going to see it the way we want to see it. So what the devil wants is for us to say, well, why do more outreach? Why, 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 do, why go door to door? When was the last time we saw, you think about, when was the last time you saw somebody actually come in from door to door, knocking on the door and outreaching, and, and they get saved? I mean, listen, we as a fellowship get people saved all the time. Do we not? We lead people in the sinner's prayer. We go to parks. We, go, we, 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 we get people saved. But it's not our job to get them into the church. It's God's job. 
But what my job is and what your job is and what your call is and what we're supposed to do is help somebody else do what they're supposed to do. Amen. Watch this. Let's look at the scripture. John chapter 1. As you're getting to John chapter 1, I want to remind you of a story. Okay? As you're getting to John chapter 1. Read that in a second. Let's, let's take it down for a second. Because I want to tell you another story that's in, in the Bible in um, Matthew chapter. Don't go there. Just, just, just stay with me. Uh, Matthew chapter. Sorry, John chapter 6. How many know the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Okay. How many are here, by the way? You still here? Yes. Feeding of the 5,000. Miracle. Miraculous. All the stories, all the, you know, Long John Silvers, the, all, the, all the things they say, all the, all the, all the angles you can go. I and mean, pastors can go 50,000 different directions with a, with a message. But we read these stories, we hear these stories, we preach these stories, and we, we don't realize, what I'm trying to get us to realize tonight is that God is more concerned with the worker than he is with the work. He's doing more in us than we think he is as we do what we're supposed to do. Okay? And if you think about that, I want you to think about this with me. When you think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, we all know the story, right? I mean, most of us know the story. They went out there, and, 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 and this one boy had, had, had the, the loaves and the fishes. One boy. And again, you can go a million different angles. I want to go a different one. And Jesus says, he starts, he starts telling the disciples, hey, go. First of all, he says, do we have enough money? So he asks them. Jesus gets them involved. He says to the disciples, do we have enough money to feed all these people? He knew what the answer was. But he was getting them involved. They said, no, we don't have enough on us for 5,000 people. There's No, we don't. And Jesus, okay. He says, well, and so then he, he allowed them the space to figure it out. And without Jesus telling them, one of the disciples comes over and says, hey, this boy's got his lunch. And we can use this lunch right here. And how many know that without Jesus prompting him, he had faith? Jesus didn't, all he said was, what what are we going to do? And one of the guys said, hey, I think we can take this little little dinner and, and multiply it. And he brought it to Jesus, and Jesus prayed. And we know the story. Stay with me. We know the story. He prays. He breaks the bread. All 5,000 men eat. We know that there was, not counting the women and children, could have been 20 or 25,000 people that ate off one lunch. And a lot of times we focus, stay with me, on the miracle. We focus on the miracle, and it was a miracle. There's no doubt. What if Jesus was doing something else in his disciples? What if he was more focused on what was happening in his disciples than what was happening with those people? Can somebody stay with me? Are y'all here? What if Jesus was not as concerned about the miracle of those 5,000 people as he was those who were right around him because he knew that what he was doing was training up those 12 men to change the world? Someone's going to get this. And so... When it gets done, I want you to think about this. When it gets done, the Bible says in that story that they marveled, that they were amazed. Surely this is God. Stay with me. Surely this is God. This is God. Wow. People all the time get wowed by God. But very few follow him. 
Jesus, I would be bold enough to say tonight, Jesus was more concerned with that miracle on helping his disciples' faith than he was on feeding those 5,000 men. Because we don't have any biblical proof. We don't have a, I'm not saying it didn't happen. But we don't have anything in the Bible that tells us that those, pet, that those people end up following Jesus. Are y'all with me? We see a big old story like that, and, and it's like, wow. We do a big old outreach. Wow. That was amazing. All these people. We're doing this rally. We're like, wow, that was exciting. We get excited about what's going on. But how, how, how many could change our thought a little bit about when we do what we're supposed to do, when we do an outreach, when we're obedient, that God, listen, God is doing more in us than he is doing in the people we're ministering to. He's working more in us. He's, he's changing us. He's causing us to come together. And I'm going to give you some scriptures to back this up. He's causing us to rally around each other. He's causing us to see the potential in other people. Jesus said, what are we going to do? And they figured it out. He put the power on it, but they went and found the thing. They went and said, we can pray and feed all these people. He said, you take the bread and serve them. Then he said, you go pick it up. So they did the outreach. They did the outreach. They did the work. Jesus did the miracle. But what was the fruit of it? We don't know what happened to those 5,000 people. Stay with me. But we do know this. Those 12 men changed the entire world for Jesus Christ. The 12 men who did the outreach saw the miracle. We don't know what happened with those other people. How about the lepers? How about we just go through all the stories in the Bible where we do something we're supposed to do, but we don't realize God's doing something in us. Now watch first, sorry, John chapter 1. John the Baptist. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down, big in the big letters, humility. Humility. There's not one person in here tonight that does not need more humility. And I'm the first. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to stop and realize every single day how blessed we are, how honored we are to be able to serve the living God. The true and living God. Amen. And as you get there and we read this, you see that it says, Now is the testimony, verse 19 of John. John the Baptist. And when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, watch this, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. Tell you who I'm not. I'll tell you, he says, I'll tell you who I'm not. I am not the Christ. Remember going back to the verse where he says, I need to decrease so he can increase. What would happen if we focused more on what what he is and what we're not. Because in the church world today, let me just talk about the church world first. The church world is dropping names. The church world, there was a guy in Costa Rica on the radio making you get sick to your stomach every time he came on. I am the prophet, evangelist, apostle, God's gift to men. And I'll say his name, Ronnie Chavez. Remember Pastor Dustin? I think you just want to throw up every time you heard. Seriously. Did you know that a prophet does not call himself a prophet? The people call them a prophet. 
The people say there's a prophetic power on this anointing on this man. The people say that guy's got a gift of healing. The people recognize what's in a person. But he said, let me tell you what I'm not. Because you're trying to make me somebody. I'm not the Christ. Because they're trying to focus on who that person is. They're, when we do an outreach, who, who gets the glory for it? When we do something for the Lord, who gets the glory for it? As human beings, we're looking for the glory. We're looking for somebody to pat us on the back and say, man, did you see that? How many know? It goes back to the thing I said in the beginning. I must decrease so he can increase. It is all about Jesus. That his name be glorified, that his name be lifted up, and that when they have it, we do an outreach, they say, I don't know what happened in that place, but Jesus was there. Then he goes on to say, look at the verse, he said, they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? I am not. I am not. You know, some of us are trying to figure out what we are. Some of us are trying to figure out who we are. But sometimes it helps to know who we're not. And we are not Elijah. We are not that prophet. We are definitely not the Christ. You begin to throw off those accolades. You begin, that's one thing I so appreciate about our fellowship. I appreciate the fact that we are not shiny. There's nothing shiny about us. There's nothing that would draw the attention to, to the church world to us. But there's something about us that's real and genuine. Amen. Real people. How many real people do I have in here tonight? Real people who know a real God. It helps us with our real problems. And all we're trying to do is get out of the bucket. All we're trying to do is do what God's called us to do. And, and a lot of times the spirit that competes with God is trying to pull us back down. We're just trying to do what God wants us to do. We're just trying to get people saved. We're just trying to see God move. But, but these, these spirits come against us and try to make us something that, that, that we're not. He, they said, are you the prophet? He said, finally, there's, uh, when you look at the Bible the way it said, he says, no. The beginning was, I'm not the Christ. I am not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No. Stop asking who I am. I'll tell you who I am. Watch what he says. They said, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Watch this. Make straight the way of the Lord. Amen? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing tonight? What do we do? What do why do we do what we do? Because we're trying to make straight the way of the Lord. We're trying to point people to Jesus. We're trying to do everything we can to, to do what we're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, we need to back up. You know what the greatest joy of a person can be, should be? I can't speak for you. But the greatest joy of a person should be seeing other people do something great for God. You don't have to agree with me, but I believe that's the truth. I know that in my life, I, I, want, I want God to use me, but there's no greater joy for me than to know what Dylan's doing in Africa. To know what you pastors are doing where you're at. To see you doing great things for God. That's what matters. Amen. And, if we, and I'm not saying that to, to, to boast. I'm saying it is truthful. The desire, when you begin to see somebody else do something for God, that should give us joy.
We should be on the bottom of the bucket, pushing up, saying, go, go, go for God. Do something great for God. Strive for God because we're on the same team. It don't matter if you're a starter or if you're on the bench. We're all going to get a ring. How many know we're going to win this battle and we're all going to get a championship ring? Some are on the bottom. Some are in the middle. Some are at the top. But we're all on the same team. Why do we do what we do? Because we want to win. We want to do what God's called us to do. Period. Who care who gets the credits? What can happen if we would just have that mentality? How can I help somebody else around me be better? Amen. I want to ask this question, and I want you to answer it in your, to yourself. What am I doing? What am I doing to prepare the way for others? How, how am I being a team player? Amen. How am I being a team player? How am I, how am I financing? How am I praying? How am I, and, and, and many of us are, but how many know we can do better? We can do better. God orchestrates things. And, and, and how many know this too? As time goes by and years go by, and anybody that's been saved long enough knows the longer you stay in this, the better it gets. The better it gets. And, I, and I'm talking in general, okay? I'm not talking about the problems we're facing right now. I'm talking about being able to look back and see some fruit from not quitting. Doesn't mean that along the way everything fell the way you wanted it to fall. But you look back and you say, man, I had an impact in that. I was involved in that. I, I didn't get the credit for it. It wasn't my name. I don't care. But that person's life was changed and I was part of the team. Look back. When you've been saved long enough, you can look back and see that. And, when, and sometimes when you're doing the right thing at the moment, you say, I know I'm supposed to do this. This is why I do this, because I'm supposed to, but I don't know why. And we don't get the answer in the moment. Why? Because I said so. Sometimes God just says, because I said so. Actually, most of the time, God just says, because I said so. And, and, and God orchestrates things in our lives and allows us to see bits and pieces. Church, don't forget that one day we're going to see the whole picture. How many know that it's better when you don't have the spoil alert? How many know the movie's better when you don't know the end? How many have ever been to a movie and you go, why did they show the whole movie just now? They need to shorten the trailers. I guess I'm not going to... Okay, maybe you don't go to movies. Okay, if you go to movies nowadays... And I know there's not a lot of good ones, but if you go to a movie, they show, I'm like, stop. You should show me everything that's going to happen. What am I, why am I going now? How many know God's not showing us everything? He's showing us if a trailer's done right, he show you just enough to make you want to go watch it. God sometimes shows us just enough to make us want to keep doing what we're supposed to do so we can go be a part of the movie. There's going to be a movie one day. And we're all in it. And it's going to be awesome when we see what God has done when we look back. When I have the attitude of, I must decrease so God can increase. Amen. Let me begin to finish right here. Matthew chapter 10. As I ask the question, what am I doing to prepare the way for others? What am I doing to prepare the way for others? Listen, I'm talking to myself tonight. A preacher never preaches to anybody else until they preach to themselves. I want to be better still. I want to work better. I want to be better at being a facilitator. I want to help. I want to encourage. I want, I want, to, I want to 
just, just cheer you on. I want to see you do great things for God. I don't have to do anything for God. I just want to see you do great things for God. And I want to stand back and cheer for you and say, good job, way to go. What would happen if we would all have that mentality instead of the crab mentality? Well, they've got more. They're doing more. They, no, thank God. Praise God. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's, not, that's the heart of God. Now watch this. Watch what God says in his word in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Amen. Let me read that again. Because this is why we do what we do. He who receives you receives me. And Jesus says, he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet, in the, not the prophet who says they're a prophet. Okay, the one who's just doing the work of God. He who receives a prophet, and some of you go, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not. He is talking about the kingdom of God here. Amen. In the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He says, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's award. Stay with me. And whoever gives one of these little ones, and when he says little ones, he's not demeaning. He's not talking about a kid. When these little ones, whoever gives one of these, these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Let me, let me just get this verse out the way before I forget it. It's actually my last verse, but I'm going to say it now. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. Many of you will know this verse. This is the attitude we need to have as a church and as believers. He who is greatest among you will be your servant. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be great? Humble yourself. And listen, you have to do things on purpose to humble yourself. You have to, you have to find ways to, 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 to push off the, the praise or to push off the whatever. You have to find ways to serve and, and be visible. Not, not doing it so like, hey, oh, they're watching. Oh, they're watching. I talked about it on a Wednesday. Pastor comes in, a leader comes in. You're in the prayer room looking around. Someone comes in. That's not why we're doing it. Amen. We're not doing it to be seen. But you have to on purposely find ways to humble yourself. Because the Bible says the greatest is the servant. And whoever exalts himself, that person who says, I'm the prophet, evangelist, God's gift to men, he'll be humbled. He'll be humbled. Whoever exalts himself will be humble. But he who humbles himself will what? Be exalted. Amen. I don't want someone to feed me humble pie. I want to eat it on purpose. Come on. I'd rather take a spoon and eat it myself than have someone stuff it down my throat. I'd rather humble myself than be humbled. Amen. Y'all still here? And so I'm going to give you one last thought tonight in Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 to 40. Just write it down. 
This is interesting. How many know, you know, you hear a scripture, you hear a story, and you hear it, and you go, okay, I know that one. You know, we're good at that. I know that one. The story about the poor, the naked, the, the one in prison. Another thing that happens, too, the longer you're saved, the more you study the, God's word is you get revelation of maybe you've looked at something the wrong way. Stay with me. For many years, I, wa- I read this verse, and, 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 and listen, there's a, there's a part truth to this. Don't, don't take me wrong. We know we're supposed to help people in need. We're supposed to give our jacket. We're, that's not the point. But in this story here, we, we read a story, and we take it out of context. And he, he says, if you've given to someone in need, if you've given to the least of these, you've given it unto me. I want you to focus on this, and I want you to look at this real quick. It says, verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? Stay with me. When did we see you a, a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. My brethren. He's not talking about the poor in the world. He's not talking about the person in prison that's of the world. He's talking here, again, not neglecting helping people. But we we don't have the focus right. He's saying the way the world's going to change, the way the 12 disciples are going to change the world, is we're going to help each other. It's not a competition. We're going to do this together. Pastor Paul always says we can do more together than we can do by ourselves. There's strength in this tonight. There's power in this tonight being together. But notice that. He says, my brethren, he's saying if you help somebody that's on my team do what they're supposed to do, you get the reward. You get the reward. But if you don't help someone who's on my team, if you don't help the preacher, you don't help the evangelist, you don't help the church, you don't team up, that's when you lose out. Amen. That's when you lose out. So tonight we're challenged to do more. Be less and do more. Amen. And God will orchestrate. It's it's pretty amazing as we begin to close. It's amazing to me how how the Holy Spirit can orchestrate something. I said in the beginning how he'll, he'll orchestrate all these messages and we don't talk and that all falls together. And I had this message for a couple weeks, although hopefully I got it out kind of how I wanted to. I've struggled putting it together. But tonight, some very special people in my life are here. It starts with my aunt over here. And I know she, she don't like it when I give her attention. I didn't know she was going to be here. My aunt's on this side over here. And my uncle went to be with the Lord last year. And they're the reason that I went to Costa Rica. They're the reason I learned Spanish. They're the reason I met my wife. Because they did exactly what I'm talking about. They gave a cup of water. It was an expensive cup of water. <laughs> Several thousand dollar cup of water. But they sent me to Costa Rica. They said, you know what? We're not going to go. We can't go. But we can help Blake go. And they sent me to Costa Rica to learn Spanish and invested in my life. I had no idea she was going to be here tonight. But even one step before that, before I went to Costa Rica, I had to get saved. And back here on this side is evangelist Chris Clock, 
who led me to the Lord 27 years ago. Right there's my, the guy God used to get me saved. Y'all hear me talk about him a lot. He calls me this afternoon, says, I'm, I'm coming up. I heard you're having a rally. Had no idea that God was going to orchestrate this. Special. Special. If he doesn't preach on hell that night, boy, if he'd have been preaching some motivational message, I'd be in hell right now. Thank God he preached on hell. And thank God my aunt and uncle heard the voice of God to send me to Costa Rica. And then when I got to Costa Rica, thank God I met Pastor Dustin. But see, when we look at our, our personal lives sometimes, and we think, what have I done? What am I doing? Right? What, what have I done? And then, and then now I have my pastor, Pastor Paul, who's, who's the man who speaks into my life. He's here. I have all these important people in my life here tonight. Amen. That are, that are part of what I'm doing, and they're helping me be better. They're helping me go where I'm supposed to go. So I need to help other people go where they're supposed to go. And you need to help other people go where they're supposed to go. And if we all help each other, we'll get out of that bucket, and we'll do something amazing and do something great for God that we can't do on our own. Some of you in here tonight are here. And I can't leave out Pastor Mario, a man in Deonza, for taking that church in Costa Rica. And they, they would not thank us, but we thank them. Amen. <laughs> a lot of special people. Got mom and dad here. Got my brother over there. Oh, I'm not going to cry. But what a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a message. Maybe God said, I'll help you out tonight. You need some help. I gotta, I'll just bring some people and help you out help each other I could I could I, anything I've done for the Lord I couldn't have done without those people I just mentioned Pastor Paul mentioned in his message this morning about running I mentioned some people from the steps back I mentioned some people from the steps now and then I need some people for the steps going forward right someone's there in your back step someone's there in your now step someone's there in your future step I want to be a better encourager I want to be a better encourager. I want to be a better cheerleader. Amen. I want, I want to be like Chris Clock is for me. He calls me a lot of times. He calls me more than I call him. I thank you for that. He's busy. He, he travels all the time. He's never home. He's always preaching in revivals. He's always out. And he calls me. And he just says, how are you doing? He, he genuinely asks me how I'm doing. He doesn't, he, he, he's not getting anything from me. But he encourages me. And, and, and it was a blessing to be able to get back in each other's lives again. As pastors, we call each other and we, we, we lift each other up. And sometimes we're struggling, sometimes we're doing good, but we're lifting each other up. Amen. There's power tonight in helping each other. Have I gotten this across tonight? Have I gotten this out? Do y'all get what I'm trying to say? Why, how, why do we do what we do? We do it together. We partner. We, we work together and God does amazing things. Amen. As you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. We're going to let God speak to us just a little bit more. This is the most important part of the service. We're going to let God's word just soak in tonight and, and make some decisions. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I, I was reading this, and it's really interesting. This is an example. He knows a lot of examples in the animal kingdom about how the kingdom of God works. You know, there's a picture and just picture this as your eyes are closed. Picture a zebra and an ostrich. Kind of a weird combination. 
a zebra and an ostrich. They're both in the wild. They're both not very fast, really on their own. They have faster prey, although the ostrich is a fast animal or bird. They both have prey, people who prey on them, animals who prey on them. The zebra is a big target just by its color alone. But the ostrich and the zebra hang out together. They don't have anything in common in their looks. They don't have anything in common in, in, in their colors. But the zebra has great eyesight. He has amazing eyesight. But he cannot smell very good. He has no sense of smell, the zebra. The ostrich cannot see good but it has an amazing sense of smell. So the ostrich and the zebra hang out together. And the zebra warns the ostrich from what he sees, and the ostrich warns the zebra from what it smells. And there's a picture of how we need to work together as a team to help each other fulfill the goals that God has for our lives. Because church, this isn't just a rally. This isn't just a church service. We're talking about something eternal tonight talking about forever. We're talking about crowns. We're talking about souls. But I'll leave you with that last thought. What if Jesus is doing more in us when we do an outreach, when we evangelize, when we do what we're supposed to do than he is in the people we're reaching out to? Father, tonight all over this place, I pray and hope and ask that I've gotten out what was on my heart to close up this rally that's so precious and special to us and like I said before, we'll never have this rally again. This, this particular rally will never happen again. Just like last conference will never happen again. Every moment is special. Every moment is important. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're not promised tomorrow. There's no promise of tomorrow. Today's the day we can make a decision, make a change. How many all over this place this morning would, or tonight would be honest and say, I... I I don't even know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to know him tonight. Honest hearts. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if your mom or dad loves God. I'm asking tonight if you faced God face to face like you will someday, without a choice, without an option, will you face him as a judge or will you face him as a Savior? If you'll put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross tonight, you, you can face him as Savior. He is, as we sang earlier, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through him. How many in this place could say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I need that Jesus you're talking about. I want to make that choice. I want to be saved. Just put your hand up all over this place and put it back down. I'm talking to somebody. Amen. God bless you. How many more? I need Jesus. You'll remember this night. It'll be recorded in history. Don't pass it by. Don't let it pass you by tonight. Jesus, I need you. I need you tonight. Maybe you're backslidden. You're running from God. You're angry at God. You're frustrated with God. Tonight you need to get right with God. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I need to get right. I need to come back to my first love. I need to fall in love with Jesus again. That's me. Stand to our feet tonight. You know, sometimes pastors, we need we we've got to realize 
especially the pastors, there's, we do an altar call every time we do a service. We always give a salvation call, always, because we're telling the devil what we're about. We're telling the devil, this, that we're, we, it doesn't matter if we, we know all the people in our church. Don't think that there's not some people in your churches sometimes who, who look like they're saved, but they're not. They need, the, they need to have the opportunity. Don't get, don't, get, don't get upset if your head usher comes down and gets saved. That, that means God did something in their heart. Amen. Don't get, don't get upset if your pastor comes and answers the altar call. Amen. We got to get saved a lot. We got to be real. Can't fool, we can fool each other. We can't fool God. Amen. So we make that statement. We, 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 we tell people they can have Jesus. They, Jesus died for them. They can make that choice today, now. Bible says eventually they'll all make it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But tonight, there is a world out there that's lost and needs Jesus. But we can't go get them on our own. And if we'll help each other, there's a reward. Some of you in here today are better soul winners than other people. Some of you are better talking to people than other people. Some of you are better at other things than other people. But we all will share in the reward if we help each other. Amen? Let's, let's, let's sing a song tonight. And as we do, I, wanna, I want this to be the altar call. I want this to be the, the opening. Is, is You know what? Tonight's a new night. I've had this quote for a couple weeks. I can't go back and fix the beginning. But I can start tonight and change the end. I can change the end. Amen. I can't, I can't go back and fix my bitterness. I can't go fix. I, but I can change the end. I can start tonight and say, I'm going to be a better. And I'm telling my, I'm going to be a better encourager. But be a better teammate. I'm going to try to see the best in people and lift people up. Because you never know who you're talking to. That person you're talking to might be the next Billy Graham. Amen. Amen. And if they don't get saved, God did something in me. Amen. We're going to open up the altars tonight. We'll pray for some different things in a moment. Find a place at your seat. Find a place at this altar. We're just going to praise God for a few minutes. And we're going to let this message just deal with us tonight and work on us tonight. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you.